All right, this is God's word for me today. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. The Lord willing, um, I'm going to piggyback onto this next week, maybe the next week as well. It all depends on if that's where the Lord goes. Um, I want to appreciate your prayers for me. Some of you, a lot of you probably know I fell a couple weeks ago, and I got an MRI tomorrow. Um, whether or not I'll have to have surgery, I don't know. Uh, on the good side of that, I've been spending more time at the church. <laughs> I've been down here uh, several days this week, and uh, so that's been been kind of nice. But uh, um, like I say, I don't know where that's going to go. Hopefully there won't be surgery, but um, doctor says let's just wait till we get the stuff back, and then we'll talk about that. So just be in prayer about that as well. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. <clears throat> I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this. Now this is pretty familiar scripture. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are, are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in, my, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Lord, this morning, help us as we explore your word. Help us, God, to allow your word to mold us into the people of God that you want us to be. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, we... As we look at the scripture here in Philippians, we see Paul challenging the church in Philippi. He's encouraging them and he's challenging them. And also remembering that while this letter was written by Paul from a, a very tough place called prison. This letter was written not under the best of circumstances. And it kind of goes with, I believe, what God is speaking to us this morning that no matter where we're at, He's with us. No matter where we go, he, he is there with us and He's there leading us and He's there with His hand on us. This morning we're going to look at some highlights from this letter. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I'm terrible at writing letters. Matter of fact, my daughter Kenzie who's probably the most disappointed in me of all my children because she likes to get letters and mail. And so there's been some times over the past I've sent her something like something, and she said, Dad, you didn't even put a note with it. You just sent it. It's like, I'm terrible at writing letters. But can you imagine Paul? He's constantly writing these letters. And, and really, as they were compiled later uh, in, into, into the Bible, but originally, what they were, they were letters. And, and can you see Paul's care and concern for, his, for these people? 
He, he talks about how he loves them. He talks about, you know, how important they are to him. And, and that's the heart of, of a pastor slash evangelist in, in his life, how the people that he had the opportunity to minister to are people that he was very concerned about. And so just like your, your children you love and you're concerned about, you, you want to praise them and you want to tell them how much you care about them. But as a loving parent, what do you also do? You correct them, right? You try to lead them down the path that they should go. Sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. But as a loving parent, and that's what Paul here, as we see in his letters. One of the first things I see in this letter from Paul is his confidence. Like how he puts this, I am sure of this. He doesn't say, well, I sure hope God does something, you know, lead you on through this. I sure hope that this is a success. He says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I am sure that God is going to be with you so that this can be completed on that day. It will be complete and it will be finished. He is going to continue to work in you. You see, Paul didn't stand back and, and he didn't tell all everybody, well, look at these people, look, you know, look at all this that I've done for these people, and isn't that awesome? Paul, Paul knew that these people were so much more important than something to just look at. He knew that there was more that God wanted to do in their lives. You see, we, we, we look at examples as Christians. We look at examples of people that we have known. And I've shared so many of my personal examples and, and people that I've drawn from and, and people that, that I've watched their lives. But, but there, let's think of someone that we can all think about. We can, we can think about Billy Graham. And we, can, and we can look at Billy Graham's life and we can see that right up till the end, he was still doing what God had called him to do. He didn't sit back at a certain point and say, you know what, I've done all that I could for God. Did his ministry slow down? Yeah, he couldn't physically do what. But his spirit never decreased. His drive and his desire to see the lost come to know Jesus never died down. And Paul, as he looks at, at his family of believers, his spiritual sons and daughters, I have a lot of them. I love this girl right here. I love her, and I consider her a spiritual daughter of mine. It wasn't me that got her saved, but she's grown under my ministry. She's been one that's been beside me since just very little after the beginning, and she supported me. But do I think God is done with her? Has she? Can I put her on a shelf like a trophy and say, Oh, you got there, Amanda. Good for you, girl. Relax. No. I tell her, Amanda, God's got a plan, and he's got so much more he wants for you to do. Why? Because I believe that God is not done with you and God is not done with me. He's not done with this church. He's got a plan, a purpose. I would say to some of you in here this morning that like me have looked at some of the failures of our church. Oh, what? Well, come on. You guys aren't blind, are you? Some of the things that we haven't got right yet. Some of the things that aren't going the way that we had hoped they would go. And we could... We could do lots of different things, but what we need to realize is, okay, then God's got a plan. He's still got a plan. We just got to keep pushing. 
We just got to keep working. We just got to keep seeking. We got, got to keep pressing into him. And, and, and so we look around us and, and we see that there's so much more to accomplish. You know, oh man, awesome how much money our, the Assemblies of God gives to BGMC. That is a blessing. But let's, let me tell you something. We can't sit back and say, look what we did. Woo! What we say is there are still a lot of lost people in this world. There are still a lot of people that need to hear about Jesus Christ. There's still a lot of people we need to give a cup of cold water in His name. There are still a lot of people that are depending on people like you and me coming up to them and, and sharing the love of Jesus with them. That's what Paul's talking about here. He, there's more to do. He's going to complete that in you. You're not done yet. He hasn't finished with you. And I think each one of us can look at somebody's life that we've known and loved and cared about that was a Christian to the very end. And they left with a, a smile on their face and joy in their heart knowing that, man, I'm going home. My race on this earth is finally over. I'm going home. That's when their work is done. But even at that, even the fact that you remember their work, it, they're still working, aren't they? They're, they're, what they have left behind is still working in me. I think of these people and, and our men's group in that book that we're, we're going through, it talks about some of the people who you, we, who you feel were very courageous and why you, and I think of, I think of Brother Goodrich, and I know I use him as a reference a lot, and I think of him, and I watched his life, and I watched him live out his faith as a pastor and a man of God and as a father, and people like that, even though he's still alive, he's not gone, but people that you know, they leave a lasting impression on you even after they're gone, even after they've ceased to be that part of your life. And that's what uh, uh, Paul is saying to these people as he writes this letter. Listen, God is going to do so much more through you than what you've already accomplished. And then even when that's over, you're going to leave behind something that others can look at. And not say, oh, I want to be just like them, but say, I want God to work in me like he worked in them. I don't want to be just like Billy Graham. I want to be like the God who was alive in him. Amen. That's what I want. I don't want to be just like those people that I've known that have passed. I want to be like the God that showed Himself through them. That's what I want. That's what I want my life to emulate. That's what I want people to see when they see me. Not they don't see me and who I'm great, but they see a great God alive in me. And Paul is saying, listen, I am sure of this, that God's going to do that for you. God will complete His work. You are a work in progress. I am a work in progress. And all of our spouses are thankful that we're, we're still a work in progress. <laughs> Beth has got her work cut out for her. Is that what you're saying? God is still, you know, there's that little kid song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Now, come on, some of most, some surely know that. Okay, 
He's still at work. And, and I say, thank you, Lord, that you haven't given up on me, that I haven't gotten to the point where you, you stop trying to get me to do what you want me to do. I think the Lord is so wanting to tell us this morning, listen, trust me. I'm working in your life. And I'm going to keep working on you. Even on those moments when you say, Lord, just get off my back. It was my wife turned on. I don't know how old this Christian show was movie. It was a movie and it must have been, it was old. And, and, uh, but this guy, he had gotten saved, and then right after that, he, his, his wife passed away, and then, of course, he dealt with that. And, but, but he's standing there at work, and he's like, the Lord's talking to him, you know, and he's like, oh, come on, God, leave me alone. And, and then his neighbor, who had been a thorn in his flesh for years, the Lord's le- dealing with him to go over and talk. He's like, now, there ain't no way I can love that guy, you know. And, and it's like, no, God is still there prodding us. Thank the Lord that He's still dealing with us, that the Holy Spirit is still drawing us to do things we don't want to do. Whew. Because God knows it's for His glory that He wants us to do those things. God has drawn many times to draw us. And, and as that guy was battling those thoughts, <laughs> knowing that God was leading him to do something that was out of his comfort zone and something that he didn't really want in the flesh, no way. That guy, he, one of the things, that guy, that guy planted a bush that he knew this guy was allergic to just because he knew he was allergic to it. You know, and like, yeah, there might be people out there that purposefully try to hurt you. And yet, God still loves them enough to try to get you to bring life to them. And you're going to fight it, and I'm going to fight it. But God's going to keep nudging us. Why? Because he knows that the work he began in you, he's going to complete it. And we're just going to be faithful to continue to do the work he's called us to do. And then we've got to remember Paul's confinement. Verse 7 says, It is right for me to feel this way about you, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. See, here Paul's in prison, but he's saying, Listen, you are with me in this. You're with me in, in all that I'm dealing with and all that I'm going through and understanding that some of these people would face some of the same things that Paul faced. Understanding that as Christians, it's not a free pass in life from all the hard stuff, is it? You're still going to have flat tires and cars are going to break down and you're going to step on your dog's dish and you, all those things, you know. Things are going to happen to you. Things are going to happen. As long as you're still living and breathing and alive, things are going to happen and they're not always going to be fun and they're not always going to be easy to deal with. But, but the thing about it is we need to understand like the Holy Spirit has already been speaking about this morning, God is with you. Put your trust in Him, not in the circumstance. Get your eyes off the problem and get your eyes on the solution. And when you begin to do that, Pastor, that's, that's hard. It is hard. But when we can begin to do that, we can begin to see that there's an answer. Sometimes we're in such a midst of a problem, we can't see the answer. I'll tell this little story. It's not even, I just thought of it. My wife, I go to my closet 
She tells me I've worn this one sweatshirt too many times. So I've got two more somewhere, and I know somewhere. And I look through my closet, and I can't find them sweatshirts. They're not in there, honey. I don't know what you, I don't know, I don't know what happened to them. I don't know where they're at. So I go back, and I look in my closet again. And all I'm seeing is the problem. They're not there. I want to wear a sweatshirt, because I don't want to have to button up my shirt. You know, I just wanted to put on a sweat, and they're not there. I walk out. She walks over the closet. The answer was there all the time. I was just looking at the fact that they weren't there. In my mind, they weren't there. So they weren't there. Until somebody with the perspective of, I bet those are in that closet. And and little beknownst to me, they were, well, the reason I didn't find them is because I thought they were in the back of the closet. And they were in the front of the closet, okay? And sometimes in life, we get so convinced that there's not an answer to our problem that we don't even look in the right place. We get our eyes so focused on the knots, and it can't be, and there's no way it's there, that we forget to look at the God who created the whole thing and knows exactly what we need to do. Knows exactly how we're going to get out of this thing ahead of time. But we get so convinced that it's not there. We get so convinced that it can't work out that way. We get so convinced that that the problem is too big, even God can't solve it. That we stop looking, or we look in all the wrong places, and we never really find what God has for us all the time. Do you allow the negative circumstances and unfair treatment that we receive to keep us from doing the work and the ministry of the Lord? I could ask this question, how many have been hurt in church doing the work of the Lord? If you've been in church and done the work of the Lord, guess what? You would have to raise your hand or you would be a liar. And I, you know, there ain't no liars in here. I want it. So, so do we quit? No. What does the devil want us to do? Quit. Why? Because the devil knows how important you are to the kingdom of God. The devil knows how important you are to spreading the gospel to people around the world and around your neighborhood and around your table. So instead of letting those, I, I can't tell you the people that get their feelings hurt and quit church. It's, it baffles me. They not just go somewhere else. They just quit going to church. Are there hypocrites in church, Pastor? Well, of course there are. Are there hypocrites in the world? You better believe it. See, we focus, people want to focus on the hypocrites at church but they just completely ignore the fact that I won't go there. It's not my sermon this morning. Anyway, back on track. Let's get back on track, Pastor. Where are we at? Um, Do you allow the negative circumstances to keep you from doing what God has called you to do? I would have to say, can I, can I be honest with you? I'm just, ooh, I probably shouldn't be this honest, but I'm going, we haven't had a revival for a few years. Pastor, why haven't we had a revival? Can I tell you one reason? Because of past circumstances. Well, what if nobody shows up? I have a guy come up from Arkansas. He does a great revival. We got five people every night. Praise the Lord. We all got blessed. We got revived. But we had five people. Pastor, that's a bad attitude. Yes, it is. And it has kept me from doing what God is asking me to do. So this year I said, my wife and I, we talked about it. We prayed about it. We said, we need to have a revival. Well, what if we don't have anybody show up? You don't think that conversation didn't happen? It did. 
said, you know what? God's calling us to have a revival. If nobody shows up, I can't help that. I'm just being, I'm being raw with you. I can be, you know, I'm your pastor. I guess I have to just lay it out there and tell you. The circumstances of the past sometimes keep us from going forward with the purpose of God in our lives. I'm just going to encourage you, no matter what it is, don't let the circumstances of the past, don't let what somebody said in the past, don't let some, what somebody's done to you in the past keep you from pushing forward to what God has for you now and tomorrow and next week and next month and next year because He's got a big plan for you and He's got a big plan for me. And if we keep looking back at the why nots, we're never going to really accomplish what God has. Like a big old anchor drawing us back. Because you see, as we look at the history of the disciples, we realize just about all of them were martyred. John was the lucky one. He died of a very old age after being tarred and tortured and then sent out to an isle, the Isle of Patmos, all by himself. And he's the lucky one, right? <laughs> but he wrote, wrote the book of Revelations while he was there. We're thankful for that. But so throughout the course of history, we have had martyrs. We, we, we talked about a girl last week that got shot because she said, yes, she's believed in God. And, and we all, we've read the stories about missionaries that have went to places and been shot or killed or, or, or filleted alive because of the gospel. Just hearing in the, recently from some of our missionaries some of the things that are taking place in some of the foreign countries that we have missionaries, China is cracking down and expelling, arresting or expelling missionaries. Other countries are doing the same thing. They're starting to crack down on our missionaries because they're spreading the gospel. Don't think it won't happen to us. Paul says even though he was in change, he had a heart for God and God's people. Paul says, no matter what I'm personally experiencing in the flesh, I still am passionate about what God's passionate about. God's passionate about His people. So we look at Paul's confirmation, and he says again in verse 7, he says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for all you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You see, Paul's heartbeat was to share the gospel in any situation he found himself in. No matter what the situation. You know, Pastor Jared, he's a seamless teaching the little kids and he just, he just I don't know how he does it, but he's, he's smooth all the way up to preaching to adults. You know as well as I do, he's better than me. I love listening to him preach. But you know what? I've sat in his youth group a couple of times, and I'm amazed. He don't have a big youth group. I don't know why, but because when I listen to him, I'm thinking, wow, he's good. And when you see him with kids, you're just like, oh, man. So no matter what situation we're in, we should be able to do what God, maybe God is calling you to a situation that's a little different than your norm. Trust Him that God will help you to do what He's called you to do. Whatever your heartbeat is for God, let Him help you with that. The, being consumed by the work that He's called you to do. If you remember the Titanic, the guy that says God Himself can't sink this ship. 
Well, we know how that turned out. But out of the 1,528 people that ended up in the water, there were six people rescued. And I might have shared this story before. I'm just going to kind of skim through it. But there was one man out of those six or those that told this story after the fact, told a story about this young preacher who was on the ship who made sure his little daughter got on a lifeboat. And then from then on, he spent the rest of his time before his death trying to convert people to Christ. And this one man tells the story of how he came to him in, in the water and he says, man, are, are you a Christian? And he says, no. And he said he drifted away and a little bit later he came back and he presented, the, presented it to him again and this guy gave his life to Christ and he tells, was telling the story at their, they had a survivor uh, get together and he told his story about how this preacher, instead of worrying just about getting himself to safety, he knew that there was something more important than breathing his last breath on this earth. It was eternity. And he realized that it wasn't just about his eternity that God had called him, but it was about the eternity of every person that God had created. See, we've talked about the Scripture before where it says, it's not God's will that any perish, but all come to everlasting life. How much do you agree with that statement this morning? How much would you say, well, that's the way I feel? Or would you say, you know, I feel that about most people. And I believe that if we, if we get to that point where we feel the same way about that neighbor that planted that bush that makes us sneeze, if we can feel that much passion about him, then we're on the right track. If we can look at anybody anywhere we go and in, instead of picking out all their flaws and all their faults, we say, boy, they need to know Jesus. Jesus loves them as much as he loves me. What? He loves them as much as he loves the pastor. There's not one person in this town or in this world that God doesn't love as much as he loves you and I. And because of that, he wants them to come to know him as well. We need to be consumed with the idea of people hearing about Jesus. We need to be consumed with the, with the idea that when people see our lives, they're going to see something bigger than us. They're going to see something so much bigger than what we could ever present. They're going to, as a, we need to be consumed with looking like Jesus. We're never going to be Jesus. But we should strive and be consumed with trying to look like Him and trying to live like Him, and trying to act like Him, and trying to present Him in such a way that others will want to know who He is. And finally here, what Paul says in his confession. In verse 9, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more, with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. See, he prayed that their love would abound more and more. 
their compassion would grow for the lost. Their compassion for the world around them would grow. Their compassion for, for, the, for the homeless. Their compassion for the, for the fatherless. Their compassion for, for those who don't have hope anywhere else. Some people have no hope. Paul says, he prayed for them that their love would abound more and more. See, for some people, it's so, so simple and so easy, and they do it so well. And for others of us, it's, it's a little harder to show that much love. For others, it's, it's a little harder. So Paul says, listen, I pray that their love will abound more and more, that they would grow, that the church would grow in love and, and grace more and more. He prayed that they would make good choices. He says that they would be pure and blameless. Uh, this morning, just in passing, Stephen Furtick was on, and he was talking about choices. He was talking about, he had a chain, and he was talking about how our choices can chain us. And Paul here, he desires that, that, his, that, the, that the people that, he has ministered to that they would be pure and blameless, that the choices that come along in life would be made right. How many have ever made a bad choice, huh? How many have paid the price for that bad choice? How many know, though, they have the opportunity now to begin to make right choices? And it will change the course of our lives. See, Paul was saying, listen, you know, the world, and we oftentimes think how horrible our world is today, and it is. But we do also need to realize that when this was written 2,000 years ago, they were facing many of the same kinds of things we're facing now. They were facing all kinds of, of, of heresy. They were facing all kinds of, of uh, the world infiltrating the church. And the world trying to convince the church people that it was okay to believe this and okay to believe that and okay, it's okay if you live this kind of lifestyle. It's okay when God says it's not. And Paul says, listen, you need to be blameless. You need to be pure. You need to make wise choices. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to help you when temptation comes along to make the wise. It's not a sin to be tempted, is it? Jesus was tempted in all points, just like as we are. It's the choices that we make that cause us to sin. Paul says, praise that, and we hopefully you pray that over yourself every day. Lord, help me to make wise choices that I can be pure and blameless before you. He prayed for their character, that they would their walk would be displayed to all people, that when, when somebody looked at them, as Christians, they would see a people that walk the talk or walk the walk or whatever. So what they say is how they live. They say, I'm a, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Their lives would line up to that. Paul was saying about his people, I want you, I want you to, to, when people see you, to see your character shine through, to see Jesus alive in you, your character shining brightly. And so this morning, as I think of all these things, and I think of what 
the Apostle Paul was dealing with, and I think about all the things that could have been flooding his mind. He could have been sitting in that jail cell and, and been totally consumed with, man, I can't, I, I want, when am I going to get out of here? And why do I have to be punished for being, you know, for serving God? And God, this is not fair. It's not fair that I can't be out there doing what I want to do and, and hanging out with my brothers and going to men's night. And, and it's not fair that I can't do all those things. I got to be stuck in this prison. But instead, Paul was looking outward. And he realized there were so many more important things than his physical circumstances. <laughs> there were so many more people that needed to re be reached with the gospel. There was such a big job yet to do. And so I ask you this morning, how is the Lord challenging you? How has He been challenging you this week, this month, this year? What's he been speaking into your life? What are some of the things that he's been talking to you about doing? What are some of the things, that some of the changes he's been dealing with you about making in your life? What, maybe this morning you just need to have confidence in the God you serve. Maybe you need to stand up, look the devil square in the face and say, listen, ain't no more of that happening. I'm believing what God has said, not what you're trying to tell me. I'm going to believe in the truth of the gospel. I serve a God who is more than able to do what I need. And I'm going to trust Him. Because the devil is going to constantly be lying to you. Has he been dealing with you about your circumstances? And how you're responding to those circumstances? Woe is me. Instead, God wants you to have victory and He wants you to show Forth, that even in the midst of those circumstances, He is with you. Knowing that He is going to take control. Knowing that there's a big plan for your life. Knowing that in spite of everything you might be looking at right now, maybe it's financial, maybe it's physical, maybe it's relational. In spite of what you are seeing with your natural eyes, that you need to begin to see with the spiritual eyes. You need to begin to see how it, see it how God sees it, and realize that you might be hearing a lot more. My wife and I were sitting talking the other day, and, and God was just leading the conversation and just different circumstances and different situations. But here's the way it came out: We've got God, and God's got this. See talking about how I can, I need to do this or I need to do that, and we get wrapped up in us, us, do, do. As a pastor, don't think that don't happen. Well, what, do I, what do I do? Well, how can I change it? How can... God just said, you can't. But I've got God, and He's got this. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, I don't know all the circumstances that are being dealt with in this place today. I don't know the situations that people came in and they're dealing with, and that's okay because, God, you do. And I believe this morning that your word is going to speak to those circumstances. And your word is going to speak to those lives. And your word is going to speak to those hearts. Because we've got you and you've got this, God. And so this morning, as we contemplate our response to you, Lord, I just ask that you would help us to let you speak. 
something fresh, something new, or remind us of something you've been speaking that we haven't responded to. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I don't even know how to, how to frame a, a response to this other than I would just ask you, is the Lord speaking to you today? Is there something that He is speaking into your life? And today, you just want to say yes to Him. If this morning you're here and you just want to say yes to Him, I just want you to raise your hand. Yes, I see those hands. Thank you for your obedience and honesty to the Lord this morning. While your heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you to think about this one last thing. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I am not confident of my salvation today. I am not confident because I have not fully put my trust in Him. But today, I want to leave here with confidence that I've given my life to Christ. If that would be you with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you as well this morning. There'd be one this morning that would say, yes, pastor, that's me. Why don't we stand? We close this time. I want you to, I want you to pray your closing prayer with confidence this morning. I want you to, to, to step out in faith with whatever it is you raised your hand about, saying, yes, Lord, I will, or I, whatever it is, I want you to pray that with confidence. Lord, this morning as we close this time of prayer, as we close this service this morning, Lord, we say yes to you. God, we will respond to you today the way you want us to, and we know that you are faithful to us, Lord. You will not leave us or forsake us. Lord, as we step out in faith, you will go with us. You will lead us. You will guide us. You will provide for us. Lord, you will make a way where there seems to be no way when we step out in faith. So, Lord, this morning we say, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will, Lord. I will obey your voice. And wherever it leads me, God, I know that you are going with me. And, Lord, I thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Members, please stay. Uh, everyone else, have a great day. Shake hands. Be friendly. 